this is not sustainable. I can't sit there weighing cucumber and carrots for the rest of my life. I, I want to be able to learn how to understand what a plate, a healthy plate looks like. I want to understand how to listen to my body and, and know when I'm full and not just rely on a calculator on an application for a phone to tell me when I'm full or when I should be eating because understanding what the signs and signals that your body sends you mean is, is really important for longevity. Hey there friends and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. My name is Matt Sapala and I am your host. For anyone that is joining in for the first time, where have you been for the past 100 episodes? I'm only joking. Thank you so much for dedicating some time to listen to me ramble on for 45 minutes. It's been uh, an amazing experience so far, one of which I'm so grateful for and welcome to the show, I guess. Secondly, a little bit of background about myself. I'm a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. I'm so extremely passionate about holistic health, longevity, sustainability, nutrition and fitness. And through this platform, I aim to add value to your life by educating and inspiring you on ways to create healthful decisions each and every day. These decisions, I want them to add years to your life. I don't want to be your quick fix. I'd never promote any short-term, unsustainable programs. I want to be your only fix. And through this way of life, I want to help empower you to make decisions that add years to your life, to make decisions that you enjoy and you're excited to make. So I can't wait for you to jump on board for this journey. This episode marks 100 episodes of the Euphoria Health Podcast and I'm joined today by my beautiful partner, Beck, who I couldn't think of anyone else better to lead the conversation today. It was quite weird being on the opposite end of the microphone and not leading the conversation, but I'm really, really grateful for Beck and and her dedicating time and energy into leading this conversation, so thank you. Through today's episode, I take you guys through, or Beck and I take you guys through the journey that it's been of podcasting from, you know, just starting from absolutely no idea what to do with a a little microphone attached to my Apple earphones to 100 episodes later. What an experience it's been. I um, dive into some of the amazing guests that I've had on the podcast and lessons learned and retail some experiences that I've had, which has been super, super humbling. Throughout the show, I also explain about my journey, my upbringing from being a really overweight teenager into a personal trainer who's super, super passionate about holistic health, longevity, nutrition, and movement that we enjoy doing. I think this experience has been so rewarding and something that's so grateful to look back and reflect on how much growth has happened in such a short amount of time. I also dive pretty deep into my coaching philosophy and how I aim to be someone's only fix and disregard any quick fix, unsustainable programs. The reason I do this is because I know what it's like to be swindled by these quick fixes that promise fast results with, you know, small sacrifices, but I understand how detrimental they can be when it not executed correctly and I also understand what it's like to ignore 
these signals and signs that our body gives us each and every day. Our, our body is such an amazing thing and we, we really don't tap into its potential as much as we should have. So I dive into my coaching philosophy and shared light on how I've adapted this mindset and how I continue to practice this way of living each and every day. This one was really, really fun. It was cool being on the opposite end of the microphone for a change and and participating in the conversation rather than leading it. So thank you so much for, for your time, Beck. I really appreciate this and I can't wait to hear the feedback from you guys. So that's all for me from an introduction point of view. I'll hand the reins over to Beck and I'll see you guys on the other side. Well, I'm not really sure how to introduce myself to my own podcast, but I guess I'll give it a crack. Um, I'm joined here in my 100th episode of the podcast by my beautiful partner, Rebecca. Hey, Beck. Hey, Gon. Hi. Good. Thanks for having me on for your 100th episode. It's about time. I know. It's 100 episodes later and you finally made the cut, so congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, um, yeah, it's, it's been awesome having you on the show and obviously... A lot of people don't know all the work that goes in behind the scenes from you. You've been such a great support for me through all avenues of my life, in particular the podcast, and um, it speaks wonders of you, you know, offering to lead this conversation for the 100th podcast, so thank you so much. Yeah, it's been amazing to watch you learn and grow and work really hard behind the scenes. It's been amazing to see how you've evolved from your year eight self to how you are now. You've come really far. Geez, year eight days, wow. What a journey. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, Beck and I, um, I guess we could say high school sweethearts. Um, <laughs> dated for a little bit in um in year seven and then yeah sort of stayed friends all, all the way through high school and got back together when we turned 18. So it's been a wild, wild ride. I've known you for the best part of 10 years. You're a lucky man. Yeah, some would say. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, Beck, thanks for joining me for the 100th episode. It's a bit weird being on the opposite end of the microphone on my own podcast, but I guess you're going to be leading the conversation pretty much. And, and yeah, I'm excited to dive into this one. So Yeah, awesome. So given this is the 100th episode, what has the last 100 episodes looked like for you? Like what has been the most rewarding thing about having the podcast? I think like I have to pinch myself sometimes. Like 100 episodes, is, it's a big milestone or something I really want to celebrate. And I guess looking back years ago when I first started this, my mentor, Dale Sidebottom, shout out to Sidey if you're listening, um, he sort of pushed me in the deep end to, to start the podcast and I wasn't really sure about where to where to begin with it. Obviously, you know, it's a bit daunting putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. Um, but a hundred episodes later, the experiences that I've had, the connections that I've made, the vulnerabilities that I've sort of uncovered through this podcast have been amazing. Like early days, I'd go back and edit all the ums and ahs out of the show just to make sure everything was perfect. Um, but I guess I've <laughs> learned. <one. laughs> I guess I've learned along the way that you know nothing is perfect and the. The most authentic, true self is what is reflected um, and what people resonate to. So, yeah, the most re- rewarding part, there's so many to so many to, to even recall, but I guess just the connection and interactions and the opportunity that I've had to have conversations with people I'd never even thought I would get to in a million years, that's been mm. bloody awesome. Yeah, and 
on that, you've had some amazing guests. I know some of your idols have appeared on the show, so I have to ask, who has been your favourite guest? Can I say you? <laughs> no. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, obviously you, you touched on it before. I've had some incredible guests on the show. Um, I guess a bucket list podcast guest that I had in mind, I know chatting to you early all the way through from about episode 10 onwards, I always wanted to get Simon Hill from Plant Proof on the podcast. He's been one of the most influential people in my life. Um Mm. Both you and I had the opportunity to meet him at a little talk he did in Serotonin mm, at the cafe amazing. in Richmond, which was awesome. And um, I reckon I was looking up to him with glistening eyes, just like, who are you? You're a, you're the perfect man. Complete fan, <laughs> That's so true. Um, but yeah, Simon was probably the, the most incredible pinch me moment guest that I've had on. And then I've had... Some AFL athletes come on the show. I'm about to release a podcast with Ben Brown, which was such an awesome experience. Um, Nick Maddinson, another plant-based cricket player who's had stints for both Australia, plays at state-level cricket as well. Um, DJ Tiger Lily Dara was amazing to have on the show. And I guess everyone, whether they've got a profile or not, has an amazing story to share. And I think the beauty of this platform is that it gives everyone the opportunity to have that conversation and share their experiences because you can resonate with someone who doesn't have a profile or their story can just, you know, really resonate with you. And, and one that comes to mind is straight off the bat is Doug um, Den Mulder, who shared his story back in episode 20, I think it was off the top of my head, how he was, you know, inches away from f- complete paralysis and then run a marathon six months later and Doug's a really great mate of mine um, and to hear his story was just incredible. So everyone that's been on the show has had had, a, um, had something to share, which has been, yeah, really awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And we were saying before how you've come so far yourself and the rewarding things about the podcast, but what have your biggest lessons been personally? I know you've had a lot of experience with diet culture, weight loss, calorie counting, Tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you and your upbringing. Wow, how long we got? <laughs> um, I think I've, I've highlighted a lot of my upbringing in recent episodes, um, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate in a way that I had the upbringing that I did. It really enabled me to mature and understand people for who they really are in the business that I've created now. Um, through personal training and I guess through the podcast point of view as well, just understanding human psychology and how people tick and how rules aren't as simple as following them. There's a lot of things that go into that. So I guess just to break it down a little bit, I was, for anyone that doesn't know, I was really overweight as a kid. I was about 100 kilos when I was in year seven. So what, 10, 11, 12, those years. Um, And it was never from lack of enjoyment of exercise or activity. I love sport. I was always participating in sport, but it was always the foods that I was consuming. Um, I joke about this to my mentor, Dale, when we chat. I always blame this on my European background about how food was, you know, such a big part. And obviously, you know that too, Beck, food being such a big part of our cultures. Um, but I don't think you can blame a European background for the amount of food that I was consuming <laughs> through those years. Um, but yeah, so obviously the, the foods that I was consuming were just far in excess of what I needed for a young growing boy. Um, 
I've highlighted in recent podcasts, my breakfasts used to consist of about, you know, a bowl and a half of neutral grain um, with full cream milk on the way to school. I'd then, and this is primary school, mind you, we were close to a milk bar, so I'd stop off at the milk bar um, before school and get some snacks, whether that's some lollies and ice cream or a packet of chips. Recess, I'd have a lamington, a couple of pieces of fruit, and then go to the canteen and also buy something. Lunch would be leftovers from dinner the night before, which was more often than not home-cooked meals. Um, and then I'd also go to the canteen and get like a Sunny Boy or a packet of chips or something. On the way back home, I would, I'd always walk home. Um, I would stop past my best mate at the milk bar again and and <laughs> make another purchase of whatever convenience food I felt like, maybe a little iced coffee or something like that. And then dinner would be at home. After school, I'd also have like a Milo with some cookies and then obviously dinner, like I mentioned before. So. For a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, there's just so many calories going in and it's not so much of the quote-unquote ideal foods that you'd be wanting to consume. Um, Whole foods is what we sort of approach now and that's steering away from the whole food sector. Um, So, yeah, I guess that that experience of overconsumption of foods made me, I guess, gain weight and continue to stay at the same weight that I was and wasn't really losing weight. And it wasn't until I really set out to actively lose weight and actively watch the f- watch what I was eating, um, which little did I know it, it stemmed a, a really a really detrimental experience, but a really um, a really important experience in my life over the next five years. And through yo-yo dieting, um, counting cucumbers. Counting cucumbers, yeah, which was sort of the later days. Um, like just so much trauma mentally over food. For example, I used to go through any diet under the sun, like low carb, high carb, carb cycling, you know, low fat, no fat, shake diets, everything. And Beck, you saw from firsthand of what that what that did mentally to me. But I guess while we're here, like for the listeners, what did that toll have on you as well? Like putting up with that through that those stages, like what was it what was it like i guess it was it was challenging at times because i felt like you were always so concentrated on your food and you know that we both have so much enjoyment around food so i found that often when it came to our friday night dinners together or going out for breakfast there was so much pressure around food you were always counting we weren't our usual fun selves in the kitchen. You know, when I took that little piece of cucumber off your scales and you cracked it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was challenging. I felt like, you know, there was a lot of support that was required, but I knew that you're, you're very smart and you'd come to your own senses eventually about, you know, what, this was actually doing to you and the toll it was taking on your mental health most importantly so you've come a long way since then um, and I'm really proud of you thanks Beck. I am um, I know we've had conversations about that looking back at how you know those days were for both of us but in the in the moment you sort of don't really have that experience do you like I know personally for me I was so goal-orientated I had tunnel vision and any sort of um how do I put this? Any sort of person that would question my my reasons for doing it or, or ask me why I'm doing it, I would sort of get defensive and, and go straight to the lack of support conversation, which is just ludicrous in in um, 
in the grand scheme of things because like you had nothing but support for me during that time and and it's only looking back upon reflection that I've seen how how much of a toll it took on me and how much of a toll it took on people around me like you said before I was counting cucumber and carrots to put into my fitness pile for the week and Look, I've, I've said this openly before on podcasts. I think counting calories is a fantastic tool for education for a sustained period. Um, if we start to utilize calorie counting for prolonged periods, like some people can can stick to that and kudos to you. But I think we we utilize, we lose the, the human element and we start focusing on numbers too much. I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit more later on. But yeah, it, it was such a, a great rewarding experience experiencing that because now I understand what it's like for somebody who may be at the beginning of their fitness and health journey health and fitness journey um, I understand what it's like going through that and how easy it is to get sucked into those those fad diets and those quick fixes Um, but in actual fact like what I've grown to learn is that quick results aren't always the best results and it's always about adapting a philosophy that you think you're going to be able to maintain for the rest of your life and I think that that's the most important part yeah definitely and I think the biggest thing about diet culture that people don't realize is that yes it is for a physical outcome but I think the mental toll that it takes is huge so I think you understanding the full aspect of the personal training fitness nutrition journey really allows you to be able to fully help people. I think that definitely sets you apart as a personal trainer and coach. Yeah, I agree. And I think that from the mental side of things, you don't really, you can't measure it at the time, like because you're always masked by the physical results that you achieve. Like I think, don't get me wrong, like counting calories and knowing exactly how much calories you need to get into this to achieve your goal and to lose weight or gain weight, like it works. It it works Mm. precisely, but the mental element and the the trauma that I experienced was masked by the physical results that I was getting. So it wasn't until I actually come out of the other side, excuse me, and had that element of plateau and burnout that I realized that, whoa, this is not this is not sustainable. I can't sit there weighing cucumber and carrots for the rest of my life. I, I want to be able to learn how to understand what a plate a healthy plate looks like I want to understand how to listen to my body and and know when I'm full and not just rely on a calculator on an application for a phone to tell me when I'm full or when I should be eating because like you go back to the beginning of the world they didn't have their smartphones they didn't put out their calorie counters and and lodge in their, their food so I think getting back to that sustainable path um and understanding what you know, what the signs and signals that your body sends you mean is is really important for longevity. Yeah, you've definitely come a long way. But I do have to ask, when did your frozen blueberry and coffee addiction begin? <laughs> I've never seen someone consume more frozen blueberries than you. <laughs> this is true. And I'm actually livid at the moment because the blueberries at the supermarket are $11 a kilo. And <laughs> And they used to be seven dollars, so I'm absolutely, absolutely fuming at that. But um, oh, I don't even know where the blueberry addiction started. I I lo- I guess I love that. I love cold things, so I used to love like <laughs> I always drink water with ice. Um, uh, I used to love ice cream growing up, and I would sit there and consume tubs upon tubs of ice cream when I was a teenager. So I think 
transitioning to it like a whole foods more whole foods diet the sweetness from the blueberries gives me that same satisfaction as what the sweetness from ice cream does and it's the cold sensation um yeah that's probably the best way i can that's describe definitely it definitely a great alternative <laughs> <laughs> i absolutely love blueberries i'll probably go through two kilos a week i'd say maybe a kilo and a half to two kilos so yeah breakfast they feature and then afternoon snack or in a smoothie they do as well Coffee addiction began, actually you were the one to bring me into coffee. So it's, it's come full circle now. I remember um, you, I was drinking lattes and you told me that you should just try a short black. I'm like, nah, I can't do black coffee. And then I tried black coffee once and that was it. never really looked back. I love the taste of black coffee. And then um, working at a, at a cafe, my first job at Particle, um, which is a vegan cafe in Avondale Heights. And a lot of people listening to this podcast will know about that. I remember going in early for my shifts, specifically 15, 20 minutes earlier, so I could help Zach set up the coffee machine and, and taste the coffees um, before we sent them out for I the day. I still remember all the coffees lined up on the counter. You'd be in your element just downing coffee after coffee. <laughs> Anyone that is a barista knows how um, how you're tasting different coffees, like measuring what grind um, is giving out the best best coffee and obviously that's the process that I was I was doing each morning with Zach and I absolutely loved it so that started my my caffeine addiction um in saying that I can go without coffee I just love the taste so much that I just want more and I've really had to rein it back um because there's nights where I'd be sitting in there be sitting in the in bed looking at the ceiling wondering why I can't get to sleep it's because I've had <laughs> eight shots of coffee throughout the day which is which is a lot I don't condone that and I definitely don't have that anymore yeah definitely uh that's amazing before you touched on your philosophy which kind of is based on not being a quick fix and your main message I think that we've all gathered is not wanting to be our quick fix but wanting to be our only fix can you tell us more about this and I guess we touched on this before but what makes you different from other PTs in terms of sustainable change yeah I know like we've had conversations at length about this Beck, because I often feel like I'm not doing my service as a PT for focusing on sustainable change because you know it's not it's not easy to get results when you're focusing on just your physical aesthetics and you're not wanting to utilize these short-term educational things long-term, like the calorie counting long-term. I guess I'm trying to help people continue a life that is filled with movement, you know, good nutrition 80% of the time, enjoying the 20% of the time without feeling guilty. When I say the 20% of the time, enjoying those sometimes foods without feeling guilty, moving in ways that they enjoy and can actually keep that up for the rest of their life. We hear a stigma that you get to a certain age and all of a sudden like you just, you, you know, it's acceptable to stop moving. For example, that's in your 50s. It's like, all right, I've, I've hit 50 and now I can sit down on the couch and, and watch TV. But in natural fact, that's when we should start focusing more on our on our health and longevity. So I guess I want to help people really think about what their life's going to be like at 50 when they come to see me at 20 and mm. help them build habits that they can 
continue to lean on in their 50s, like what a healthy plate looks like, like how to listen to their body when it's sore, how to know when they're full, how to know when they're hungry and how to distinguish between those signs and not wait for an external cue to tell them when they're hungry, when they're full, when they're sore. You know, I think those pieces of data are are, are fantastic as boosters and educational purposes, but to solely rely on those things is, I don't know, it just just seems flawed to me. Like we have this amazing, I'm going to say vehicle, like our body is incredible at what it's able to do. It's able to thrive in any environment that we put it in and it withstands, you know, trauma, it withstands abuse, whether that's through food, you know, alcohol, drugs, and it still wakes up every morning and allows us to live like I think that's incredible so understanding how our body works from a basic point of view is is crucial for me um that was a pretty long-winded response I guess without (laughs) even getting to your quick fix element but I guess it all ties into into one I don't want to be the person that goes around and and helps people lose 10 kilos in six weeks and then six weeks after their six-week challenge they've put that back on again yeah and I think that's what people don't realize a lot of us live in such a a gratification society we want that quick gratification so a lot of people are seeking those challenges where you'll see results in four or six weeks and people aren't realizing that while that's great momentarily you'll get that short gratification long term it's not great you want to have the skills that you'll be able to take with you through a lifetime to maintain those results so getting people to see that I think is so vital and a big part of what you do and I think yeah people are truly starting to now appreciate the value of making those small changes to be happy and live a more sustainable life definitely Beck. and I think like I always compare based on our conversations I compare my approach to another PT that's potentially um, helping someone take control of their life through these, you know, calorie counting avenues. And not to say that they're wrong. I think that's amazing that they're helping people take control of their health. I think first and foremost, that's unbelievable. Anyone that decides to go on a health journey and take action, kudos to you because that's tough work. Mm. I know how tough that is firsthand. And I'm not sitting here and trying to belittle anyone that's, you know, utilizing that approach because I think it's a fantastic stepping stone because I was once that person. I know what it's like. I guess what I'm trying to do is show you that there is another way, that there is another way to take control of your health, to achieve your goals, to feel good, to move well and to eat better without relying on an external source to tell you. And, you know, sometimes we need that little bit of extra motivation, that little bit of extra push, that help, that that almost sense of fulfillment that we're, we're on track and we're achieving our goals through those external things. And I think that's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to highlight that it's not, I'm not putting anyone down for choosing mm-hmm. to go down that route because yeah, I think it's amazing that you're putting your health first, first and foremost, um, from a, a quick fix and sustainability and marketing point of view, I know how hard it is from my point of view. And we've had conversations about this, how hard it is to market sustainable progress. Like mm. I see people and PTs out there that get their clients amazing results from, you know, consistency to a process. And I think that's awesome, like I said before. But for me, I wouldn't exactly say that I've had those amazing transformations with people where it's been progress picture worthy to put mm. on Instagram. And I I get down on myself sometimes because I'm like, oh crap, like I want to be able to tell show people that I can change people's lives. Mm. And it wasn't until we had this conversation 
together back when, you know, I was sort of being a bit vulnerable in that point in time and, and wasn't sure where I was going with PT. And you said, you are changing people's lives. Like just because you're not getting their 10 kilos in six week results that you're not even trying to get, you're giving people the tools and resources to be able to exercise consistently and develop a process in which they enjoy. And I'll use one of my clients as an example, and he's, uh, I'm sure he won't mind me mentioning, he's been incredible for me and incredible for my my learning as well, um, because he's exactly like me. He was exactly the kid that I wish I had spoken to. I wish I'd spoken to me at his age. Um, so I really developed a close passion and wanted to really find a way that I could help help Dom without, you know, steering him down the route that I went on. And we tucked away at it for years and we tried to focus on a routine that was both going to help him enjoy the process and get results at the same time. And it wasn't till when was it, 2020, where we sort of really sat down and devised a plan about how we're going to attack this situation. Then COVID happened, so it was a, a spanner in the works. And then post the first initial phase of, of lockdown, we sort of set out our targets on how we're going to achieve this. And it wasn't anything drastic. It was things that we've been talking about for ages, basic things. Like we set him goals of achieving a 10,000 um, step goal per day. We set aside three dedicated exercise sessions, two with me initially and then one on his own. And we got him to utilize the basic principles of eating. So we look at a plate, we'd go half a plate vegetables, a quarter plate protein and quarter plate carbohydrates with um, some healthy fats in there as well. And we mastered those basics for 12 months. And we look back now when we've done our our 12 month check-in, we had cut 25 minutes off his 3k time trial he's lost over 25 kilos he's enjoying the process of exercise and he's consistently committed to this lifestyle and I think I look back on that and I'm completely blown away because it wasn't anything drastic that we did we just stuck consistently to the basics and like it gives me so much fulfillment that I was able to play a part in in his journey and help him really see the light that it's not not to get sidetracked by these these signs that say join me for these quick fixes they're flashing lights and they're saying come on join me it's six weeks of, of hard work and you'll get to where you want to be we stuck at the the long process and you know 12 months later how much progress that we've made that he's never going to look his former self in the eyes again because he knows the process of how to get to where he was whereas I feel like that's sort of lost in a a quick short-term challenge like Mm. for six weeks you go balls to the wall and you give all your 100% you get to week five you're like I'm exhausted but that's blindsided by the results you get and then after the six weeks is done for example in a six-week challenge you're you're like oh my god I've earned this which you have you've worked hard but then that earning cycle becomes routine again and you don't understand what it's like to actually change your processes Mm. because you've been following rules for six weeks but you haven't actually changed your lifestyle you've got the results which are masked but then you go back and you're you're left in the supermarket aisle and you're not sure what to do so you default back to what you did in the six-week challenge which is restrictive can be restrictive i should say and you're not sure about how to incorporate that sustainably i guess that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to help people in practical ways, help people when they're in the supermarket aisle and they're not sure what bread is better than the other or they're not sure 
what meal to cook for dinner. Like, I just want to keep it basic for people. I want to simplify it and master the basics. And I'm not doing anything that is that is fancy. I'm just helping people be consistent with the process and master those basics. Yeah, bringing it back to basics. And I know you do have an eight-week program yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's different to the regular eight-week challenge per se? I guess it's everything that I was just highlighting before, you know, I'm denied about ways that I can incorporate a short-term challenge that is going to help people understand the fundamentals of sustainability and understand those processes. And I just took action on it. I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And mm, I remember you were umming and ahhing about a challenge for so long purely because you didn't want to have that quick fix challenge. But I think, yeah, what you've brought out now is completely different to that. And it's not about that weight loss and before and after picture. It's about those little skills you're gaining. Yeah, the process, right? And I think in, in the fitness industry, the word challenge is almost stigmatized. It's like, all right, we're going to challenge you to mm. be as restrictive as possible for however many weeks it is. And it's like, that's exciting for some people. And, you know, I was a part of that at some stage. I was like, yeah, this is bloody awesome. Like, I want to thrash myself and I want to achieve results for it. Mm. But I think we're almost blindsided by those results. We don't understand the process. So I guess in this eight-week program, I'm trying to simplify a lifestyle that can be sustained over an eight-week educational course. So my program is not about weight loss. I don't measure someone's success on how much weight they lose. I think that's a fantastic achievement based on the eight weeks. But weight loss comes from consistency Mm. with basics. And instead of actually focusing on weight loss itself, we're focusing on mastering someone's lifestyle and helping people develop better routines, whether that's helping them get an extra hour of sleep a night. So then suddenly they have more energy the next day so that they can exercise. They have more motivation to eat better. They have education on how to fuel themselves in between main meals, what Mm. to put on their plate. I think how to listen to their body, like in this eight week program I've um I'm trying my best to help people understand the the process and how we can be more prepared to to deal with curveballs that life throws at us because the in reality we're not going to be perfect all the time we we need to have contingency plans um so setting up for those things is what's going to help us succeed yeah. and mastering the basics yeah like yeah. my basics they they're nothing that we haven't heard before move your body more sit less Eat mostly plants, check in with yourself daily and prioritize sleep and hydrate with water. I love that. And I can definitely say that those tips have worked for me personally, being a nurse and a shift worker. I remember having a chat with you about this because it was so hard to develop a routine given that my shifts were on different times and days. And I felt like I sometimes couldn't get enough sleep. I didn't know how to exercise in between shifts and even what to bring on a day for a shift and I remember chatting to you about it because I felt so down I really like that routine and not having that routine really threw me out and you really I still remember we were walking at I think it was like Brimbank Park or something and you brought it down back down to the basics with me starting from just waking up in the morning and having a little morning routine whether it's you know affirmations drinking a glass of water 
and trying to find something regular in the day that I could fall back on and, you know, bringing um, wholesome meals to work, packed with veggies and different colours. I think all these little tips that you've given me have really helped me come a long way and I just hear your voice in the back of my head sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> <A> bit creepy. <laughs> but... um. I can honestly say that it's made such a different being. Being a shift worker and the life I live, it's made it's made a huge difference. I wouldn't have been in this place I am now if it wasn't for you. So thank you. I'm so glad that, you know, that little voice in your head is me telling you to do <laughs> things. Like it's not often you listen to me, so it's good that no, you're listening to me inside not. your head. I think just to elaborate more on those basics that Bex implemented, they're not anything special it's just about being consistent with those things and and a lot of these things have a follow-on effect right so if we start from beck's morning routine like she's all of a sudden creating a a reason to get out of bed beyond getting up and going for a walk she's forcing herself to get out and commit to these morning routines which are then going to give her energy and set up her day to be able to complete the rest of her tasks mm. whether that's getting prepared to do a dedicated exercise session putting yourself in the right frame of mind by completing a task by having a glass of water by making your bed you're suddenly completing a task you're ready for the next challenge that life throws at you um, some people like to exercise first thing in the morning so moving your body is another basic fundamental that i that I incorporate. And that could be walking, it could be a dedicated gym session, it could be yoga, stretching, anything that involves movement is is great for me. It's a big tick. That's the biggest thing. And I think what you just touched on there, it's what people like. So it's doing what you love, but finding a way to make it work. Definitely. And the, I've always said that the best movement is the one that you enjoy and the one that you can mm. stick to. There's no use doing burpees five days a week if you hate burpees. Like, mm. you know, how long is that going to last before motivation starts to wear off? And then you're relying you're relying on willpower for, for however long. But when that, you know, and when that doesn't happen anymore, what have you got? You're like, oh, no, it's all right, I'll do it tomorrow, which is where majority of the population live in. Mm. I don't want to go to the gym because I'm tired because maybe you're not enjoying the exercise that you're doing. And maybe you are just tired yeah. and you need to rest more. That's why nutrition, health and fitness is not as simple as a one-size-fits-all. It's a personalised approach. and. I think if we can all master those basics that are both um, unique to each person, then mm. there's no reason why we can't achieve results. And results aren't always weight loss. It's not always weight gain. It's not always how much we lift in a gym. There's so many different variables for us to see results. Somebody's results could be waking up 15 minutes earlier. That's amazing. That's huge. That's progress. Someone else's results could be deadlifting 100 kilos. Someone else's results could be drinking more than two liters of water throughout the day. Someone else's results could be going for a 30-minute walk each day. Another person's result could be eating three balanced meals, incorporating more veggies. There's so many different ways to measure success. The fitness and health industry is so fixated on success being a before and after picture, but in actual fact, it's not. Mm -hmm. Success is measured in unique ways to each individual, and no one can tell you that what you did is not good enough if it's better than what you were before because that's the most important part. I don't go out and strive to tell people that they need to achieve a goal by a certain time frame because the process is the journey. And I guess that's what mm. I'm trying to emphasize. That's your journey. It doesn't matter. You, there's no insight because the goalposts are going to shift constantly. It's about enjoying the process, consistency with that, and celebrating those small wins, celebrating drinking more than two liters per day, you know? Yeah, I love that. I think that is 
what your main message definitely incorporates. And I guess with your main message, a lot of people have inspired you to become who you are today, but I think you've also inspired a lot of people, whether that be your clients or people you just connect with on a daily basis. So I know your biggest values are connection and relationship building, but how have these values shaped the business and how you grew the business? That's a really good question, Beck. I think connection and relationship building is my highest priority. It's something that I strive for. And I'll never forget my mentor, Dale, telling me um, when I was first telling me I'm doing my PT course and doing my my placement hours with him, he said, it doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how shit of a day you've had. Someone's coming, investing their money into you to make their day better. So you've got to show up and you've got to make their day. You've got to make them feel, leave. Sorry, let me hold start, start that whole sentence again. You've got to make them leave feeling better than they came. And if you've done that, job done. And that's just hit me right like a ton of bricks. Because now I'm going out of my way to make sure that I'm putting connection and relationship building as a priority in my in my one-on-one sessions, in every interaction that I have, whether I'm buying a coffee at the coffee shop, always asking people for their name, digging a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. asking them what they do for work when I'm in a PT session with them. I'm asking them how they slept last night. I'm asking them what they enjoy doing most. Like, what's your favorite foods? Like, all these questions that are conversational, but it helps build relationships and build connection. And I think those two values relationship and connection have definitely shaped who I am because that's how I I interact with people I love that sort of stuff but it's also enabled me to put down the barriers of health and fitness because health and fitness is scary for some people mm-hmm. for a lot of people it is going to a gym is bloody scary and I admire anyone that steps into the gym for the first time you know and just gets it done because it's it's daunting you've got people in there that have been consistently training for years and you've got all these eyes looking at you that you feel like looking at you when it's not actually happening but you feel like all these eyes are looking at you that's tough that's scary I want to make someone not so much worried about health and fitness but feel comfortable in an environment where then that health and fitness component becomes easy so my sessions are not related and you know this personally Beck. when whenever we train together we're never talking about what the session is about we're always talking about other things outside of health and fitness which I think is so important because mm-hmm. as a trainer you're responsible for that person for that 45 minutes you're responsible to give them the best 45 minutes or hour session whatever you do and if you're just constantly talking about squats deadlifts and burpees like it's really surface level like it's you're not so challenging I remember before you were a personal trainer I would see another coach and during our sessions he just didn't talk about anything but the lift ahead and sometimes he'd just walk off mid-session and leave me there doing my own thing and I used to hate it I only lasted a couple of months there and then went back to finding my own way but I think that's what really separates you from everyone else too is that ability to build connections and relationships so quickly and you can see that even when we're walking buddy on the street you saying hello or or paying it forward at a coffee shop I feel like that really encompasses who you are and it's enabled you to build relationships a lot quicker and not surface level relationships like you were saying just a deeper connection and that allows you to understand your client more better results better outcomes too for you so 
definitely I think you highlighted it just then better results and better outcomes if someone for example if you're a PT listening to this and you're wondering how you can the best thing that you can do to help client retention or help people achieve results it's just building relationships and having that client trust you I think is one of the most important parts because suddenly their barriers are going to be down they're going to they're going to be able to be open and honest with you. They're going to be able to tell you about the chocolate, the hover block of chocolate that I ate the night before without yeah. feeling guilty about it. Mm. And I think that is something special in itself that you've developed that trust within that person because after all, that's your job, right? Mm. You're there to help people understand the fundamentals of health and nutrition and fitness and get them moving better. And if those barriers are down, it makes your job easier. So connection and relationship building should be the forefront of your session and that can be done through many different ways one of which is active listening and openly listening Mm. without wanting to speak in between so I think for any advice for any trainers out there I think listening without responding but with understanding is one of the most important skills that you can learn and something that I really prioritize a lot of my sessions about sometimes we we could be doing a set and we could end up in a conversation for 10 minutes about something that happened the night before but Sometimes that person didn't need to focus on the 60-second rest time they had. Sometimes they just needed the space for the extra 10 minutes to get something off their chest. And I think as a personal trainer, you've got that ability to really make drastic change through all avenues in everybody's life within your scope, obviously. Um, but understanding your, your client and understanding um, how to to help build relationship and build trust is, is really, really crucial. So yeah, that's something that I really prioritize in my sessions and we've spoken about it before. I'm not the best programmer. I'm not certainly not the best PT out there, but I really want to make sure that the person that comes to me for our 45 minute session leaves feeling better than when they came. And if they've done that, then that's a job tick job done for me. Yeah. You're definitely being that holistic all rounder coach, which I think is so valuable in this day and age living such busy lifestyles People do really appreciate that. Do you have any other advice for PTs, whether that be how to build the business, how to establish networks and build client base? Yeah, good question. I think from building a business point of view, just start. Like the best thing that you Mm. can do is start. And I know I'm a big person on action. Like I've got, you always have to ground me back. I've got a million and one different ideas about how Mm. I can make this better. And sometimes I find it difficult to switch off. But actually like, the rate of people thinking about ideas and starting them is the difference between successful entrepreneurs and just the everyday Joe Blow, mm-hmm. right? Someone that is not necessarily um, as successful as someone else can't be defined by wealth. It's the ability to take action on their their ideas. And, you know, I think that's the most important part, just starting. Everyone's going to be inexperienced everyone's gonna not know the right way but if you're waiting for perfection it's never gonna happen so just start I look back at podcasts from the early days and I was like cringing at how awful my voice was projecting I'm just like dude how can you even release that but I look back 100 episodes later and it's like oh well yeah that's part of the process you started yeah I started and that was three years ago. Now look like now I've consistently stuck to the process and you definitely get better over time. So first bit of advice is just starting. Next is networking and that's can be done through any avenue. It's not, it's being vulnerable and it's saying hello, having conversations that you don't necessarily want to have that are uncomfortable, whether that's at your coffee shop, um, speaking to someone who's waiting in line, asking them what their coffee order is. I don't know. I'm just like clutching at straws here. Like if you're walking down the street 
and you're walking your dog, say hello to someone. You never know. That hello might help their day. Mm. Suddenly you've built a relationship with them. And if you're a PT, you might have picked up a client just from saying hello Mm. and building a relationship. Finding common ground with people. If you're training at a gym um, and you like someone's shoes, get into conversations about the shoes. Hey, how are the shoes, man? Like I've just got a, a pair of those. Are they comfy? Yeah, they're awesome. Suddenly you're talking about what dog you have and you know, next thing you know, your friends, like it's all about connection, relationship building and networking. So having conversations that are uncomfortable, but doing it anyway, I think is a really, really vital tip. And that goes back into connection and relationship building, which are my two highest priorities. So yeah, starting and networking is probably my two bits of advice. Obviously you need to get the qualification first and, and practice within your scope. But beyond that, they're the two bits of invaluable advice that, you know, I've received when I was younger and something that I always lean on now. Yeah, I love that. And on that, you're such a goal-driven person. And I know there's a lot of things in the pipeline at the moment, which are really exciting. You're growing your business. You're in the midst of a clinical nutrition degree. You've got all these new connections that you're building and big goals for the future. So what are your future plans? Yeah, anyone that knows me, I'm an absolute nutrition nuffy. I'm so passionate about the ins and outs of nutrition, how the human body works and how how it responds to certain foods that you put in your body. So I'm definitely excited to continue my nutrition degree. I'm about halfway through or, yeah, just a little over halfway through at the moment. Um, it's been invaluable for me understanding and relaying information that I've learned in conversations with you suddenly understanding some common symptoms that people go through, obviously not prescribing nutritional advice because that's not within my scope, but still like understanding um, how the body works. Um, what else? Was, oh, future goals. Sorry, I forgot the question. See, I end up in a tangent and I'm <laughs> Beck has to ground me. So yeah, future goals. There's some exciting things in the pipeline. I think for the most part, um, I'm really excited to continue educating and inspiring people through all platforms whether that's as a face-to-face PT through social media through every interaction that I have um, and most of all through the podcast this is a platform that's been super rewarding for me and something that I I find it difficult to allocate time for particularly in a busy schedule but every time I do I'm so glad that I did and I tell myself wow I wish I made more time for that so yeah, definitely love the podcasting. So really, really excited to um to continue that platform. And there's some other exciting plans in the work, which I won't re- reveal just yet. But um, yeah, which is taking up a lot of my time. And I know you've been such a great support for me through that, Beck. So can't wait to um to be able to tell you all about that. Yep, amazing. And that just reminded me. I you know we're kind of going back and forth, but you do live such a busy lifestyle. I'm in awe of how you juggle everything. You've got so many things going on. So how do you prioritize everything in your day or week to kind of, you know, make things a little bit easier for yourself? It's all about pivoting, right? <laughs> I guess I have a set of fundamentals and and non-negotiables that I start my day off with, and. My non-negotiable for the next day starts the night before. Um, And that's setting some boundaries that I know can sometimes be restrictive, but I know it's a short-term sacrifice for ultimate um, 
ultimate reward, if that makes sense. So, for example, my, my nighttime routine involves no screens post 8 p.m. Um, I don't watch any Netflix during the week and I make sure that I prioritize reading at least 20 pages of a book just so I can actually wind down, avoiding any like high light exposure that's going to help keep me awake for longer periods of time um, and just really getting myself in a, a good state to sleep. So I can get that restful sleep because when you're busy, sleep's the most important part and I wouldn't have it any other way. I love being really busy. I love how my mind's constantly like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah. I love all these ideas. So putting myself in the best environment to thrive is, is something I do. Then my morning routine is something that I've worked at tirelessly to try and master and it just happens effortlessly now and it's not set in stone. My morning routine really fluctuates but I always start off by having my alarm on the other side of the room so I'm physically forced to get out of bed and turn my alarm off because I don't want to wake anyone else up in the house at 4, 4.30 in the morning. Um, that's been huge because once I'm out of bed and standing up, it's a battle between you and you, whether you're going to go lie down again or whether you're going to get up and start the day. And nine times out of 10, you're going to choose to start the day. And the one time out of 10 that you choose to sit back down and, and take a bit of a deep breather, that's okay too because you're listening to your body. Um, and then it starts off by washing my face with cold water and get into the day, usually um, one or two coffees and, and into training clients. And then when I get a chance, I prioritize movement as much as possible. So if that's only 20 minutes, like I know we only had 20 minutes today, so I picked four exercises and moved my body for 20 minutes mm-hmm. um, in an AMRAP sort of fashion. So as many rounds as possible of four different exercises. So I always prioritize some form of movement. That could be resistance training, it could be yoga, it could be cricket training, it could be running, it could be walking buddy. I just want to get some form of movement throughout my day. And then hydrating with water. You know how much water I drink. <laughs> that cannon you carry around <laughs> is a weapon. And then eating mostly plants and just making sure that, you know, I've, I've got a, a list of meals that I know are going to be easily accessible, prepared in some way, shape or form. And I know they're going to leave me fueled and nourished. Um, to attack the day so yeah hopefully that answers the question Beck. but I really just have I really just have a lot of mini routines within my day and and that's not saying that it's easy sometimes it's hard sometimes it's bloody hard to get out of bed and I don't know how you do it most of the time you're so motivated it's hard to go and exercise in the morning when it's cold but I always just live my life by just start and you'll do with the rest later like yeah you know, you can't be bothered exercising. Just move your body for five minutes. More often than not, you're going to feel good after that five minutes. So then you, you're into the workout and you're into the day. Like, we we need to stop relying on these external cues to tell us things and start trying and and seeing for ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, love it. Love it. I think um, to wrap it up, I think I know the answer to this one, but I would love to ask, what would your death row meal be? And if you had one sentence as a parting sentence to leave the world, what would it be? Firstly, I want to say thank you, Beck, for allocating almost an hour of your day to record this. It's been really cool to be on the opposite end and be able to have a conversation about sharing my philosophy. I I absolutely love everything that I do and, and... Love you as well, so thank you so much for that. Love you too. Um, 
death row meal, it would have to be rolled oats. I'm rolled addicted oats? to rolled oats. Oh, I would have went Singapore noodles. Singapore noodles too. <laughs> uh, homemade Singapore noodles. Your mum makes the best Singapore noodles if she's listening. Um, hopefully that's on the I'm menu up. this week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd lo- I love porridge and, and rolled oats with blueberries, tablespoon of peanut butter, maybe two. Mm. Yeah, love yeah. that. That's and one final sentence on your death row. Leave us with your wisdom. You've um, I don't know if I can condense it to one sentence. One sentence, got to be one sentence. You've really put me on the spot here. (laughs) I think tying it back into all my main messages before that quick fixes aren't necessarily the best best fix. Understanding to enjoy the process is going to be the most rewarding. Um, and just listen to your body. Your body knows best, but understand how to listen to your body too. Love it. That was a couple of sentences, but... Yeah, I probably could have kept going, so thanks for interrupting me. <laughs> Love it. Beck, thank you so much. It was um, it was awesome to be on the opposite end of the microphone and, and um, have you feature on the podcast for episode 100, maybe 100 episodes too late. I don't oh, know. No. Thank you. What an honour. <laughs> have a great day, guys. Bye. Wow. If you had told me... Three years ago when I started the podcast that I would have done a hundred episodes, I, I would have been would have been stoked. And to be in this moment right now and live it is is really amazing. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you, wherever you've jumped on the ride, whether it was episode one or episode ninety-nine, your support is something that I truly appreciate and I'm really grateful for wherever you are in the world. I'm hoping that this podcast continues to add value to your life and inspires you to be better each and every day if this podcast is adding value to your life i'd love if you could head over to itunes or spotify and leave a rating and review for the show i'd love to stay in contact and know exactly how much value this show is is adding to you and if you want to chat on a deeper level you can reach me on instagram at euphoria health or my website euphoriahealth.com thanks so much for tuning in guys and i'll see you next time on the euphoria health podcast